hello and welcome to Say It Again, the Soda 2 podcast. It's Thursday today, October the 3rd, still 2019 for a couple more months. And today we are celebrating our 20th episode. As always, our goal on this podcast is to think back about the day that we just finished, to remember and to say again the things that were worth hearing twice and to get ready for tomorrow. I'm recording from my classroom today. I have a few moments here before it's time to rush on to the next thing. It's quiet. The bell has rung and all of the students have, have gone home and for a rare moment I have the room to myself. Today in social studies, students were busy starting a five-paragraph essay project. Right? Five-paragraph essay is a traditional form of writing. The first paragraph is usually devoted to introduction and orientation. You have two paragraphs sandwiched in the middle, which are about providing information a third paragraph in the middle that is about providing more information and making connections, and then a fifth paragraph, a final paragraph, to wrap things up and to draw conclusions. It is a form of writing that people have practiced for a long time. And as we often do with writing assignments, uh, Mrs. Schmuck and I give very clear, very concrete directions for how to accomplish the task, what steps to go through, what are the key items that must be included for a successful five-paragraph essay, knowing full well that some of our students will come back to us and say, I completely ignored all of your directions, and here's what I made instead. And it's very important that students have that opportunity. We, of course, want 100% of our students to be successful as writers, even with a traditional form like the five-paragraph essay. At the same time, we are a community of innovators and creators and problem solvers and inventors. And when inspiration strikes and a student decides that instead of a five-paragraph essay, they need to make a video of a dance to show that they know and can demonstrate the concept or demonstrate their learning. Sometimes being able to accept that video in lieu of a five-paragraph essay is very important. So we're excited to see what students bring back, looking forward to reading essays, seeing videos, hearing podcasts, and whatever else may come. The topic in social studies today was the future of maps. We've asked students to look at the history of cartography and think back over that history of drawing borders for countries, of delineating place and purpose on the globe, and of course all of the wars and conflicts that have been fought over those arbitrary lines that we like to draw on our maps. And now we're asking students to think forward Mrs. Schmuck took a poll at the beginning of class and 
there were a number of students who were thinking the future of maps might involve Star Wars type holograms. Others suggested three-dimensional maps and still more were interested in the possibility of augmented reality, a pair of goggles or glasses or looking through the camera of a cell phone, of a, of a tablet, of a computerized device out into the world and seeing both the real world and an overlay, an additional layer of augmented information, uh, some of which could relate to directions or to place or to position on the globe. As students create their essays, the essential pieces that must be there are, of course, introduction, evidence and conclusion, but more particularly in that first paragraph, each student needs to make a claim, right? Needs to state in clear terms, this is the future of maps. And the, uh, the paragraphs that follow then are designed to provide evidence that supports that claim. Uh, the conclusion, of course, needs to relate back to the claim stated and to the evidence and tie it all together. But that's really the essential piece with the five-paragraph essay. Students need to state a clear claim and provide evidence that makes that claim apparent, makes that claim true. Students are writing and rough drafts are due tomorrow. And as I said before, we are excited to see what will come. Here's a poem for today for any of you that are feeling under the weather. You know, sometimes at the beginning of fall with the change of season, it's easy to get a cold or heaven forbid something worse. We hope you're feeling well. This poem today is called Sick and it is by Shel Silverstein. I cannot go to school today, said little Peggy Ann McKay. I have the measles and the mumps, a gash, a rash, and purple bumps. My mouth is wet, my throat is dry, I'm going blind in my right eye. My tonsils are as big as rocks, I've counted sixteen chicken pox. And there's one more, that's seventeen, and don't you think my face looks green? My leg is cut, my eyes are blue, it might be instamatic flu. I cough, I sneeze, I gasp, I choke. I'm sure that my left leg is broke, my hip hurts when I move my chin, and my belly button's caving in. My back is wrenched, my ankles sprained, my appendix pains each time it rains. My nose is cold, my toes are numb, I have a sliver in my thumb. My neck is stiff, my voice is weak, I hardly whisper when I speak. My tongue is filling up my mouth, I think my hair is falling out, my elbows bent, my spine ain't straight, my temperature is 108, my brain is shrunk, I cannot hear. There is a hole inside my ear, and I have a hangnail, and my heart is... What? What's that? What's that you say? You say... Today is Saturday? Goodbye. I'm going out to play. During IMPA today, students continued rehearsing, 
we are blocking scene two, act two tomorrow, which means we're most of the way through. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with theater terminology, blocking is the process of arranging the characters on stage. So the past few rehearsals, students have not gotten to practice very many of their lines. Instead, there's a lot of note taking I give students directions, please enter from stage right and cross to down left center uh, or whatever it may be. Uh, because this is a comedy, there are a number of pieces of physical humor. Uh, there's also some alarming scenes where students get kidnapped from the school. It's all part of the story, but we have had to teach students how to drag themselves off of stage, uh, <laughs> how to, uh, or how to kidnap themselves, as it were, um, and several other techniques from stage fighting or stage choreographed fighting, where you have the individual actor do the thing to themselves so that the person pretending to do it to them doesn't actually have to. Of course, from the audience's perspective, it looks like one actor has just grabbed and dragged another actor off of stage. In fact, what's actually happening is the kidnapper is gently holding on to the kidnapped while the kidnapped does all of the writhing and dragging and screaming and moaning to make it look like they're being carried away. So stage choreographed fight scenes are often the opposite of what it looks like to the audience. And that is our way of displaying something on stage that appears to be dangerous, but in actuality keeps our actors very safe. We've had a lot of fun blocking some of those physical comedy and physical drama moments, and we'll finish up our blocking of the rest of Act 2 by midway through next week, and we'll begin to run our scenes with lines spoken and blocking acted out. Things are coming along nicely. In reading class today, students had the opportunity to begin preparing for our second philosophy circle of the year. We often do philosophy circles on Friday. And so our second circle will be tomorrow. Students will have a chance to present their points and their questions on a current events article. And we practiced our close reading strategies again today. The article was distributed, uh, or rather the article was placed on the table um, and students started with a choice uh, based on their interest level. So students who were really interested in the topic could choose the long in-depth article, get lots of information. Students who were mildly interested might take the middle road, the medium length article, and students who just wanted the quick overview, not sure that they wanted to read too much about it today, could take the short version of the article. Any of those choices could lead to a successful close reading and good preparation for the philosophy circle. And I find that that choice, that meaningful choice, is so important 
to engaging more of the students in the reading process. Our goal, of course, is 100% participation and 100% engagement with the topic and the activity of reading. We don't always manage it. Some days it's hard to convince people to read, but meaningful choices seem to help a lot. And the topic today was one that grabbed a lot of students' interest and attention. It is a current event. And the title of the article that we looked at today was Democrats Begin Impeachment Proceedings. If you have listened to the podcast before, you may have heard me talk about the close reading strategy. There are three different ways to read the article. And the first time through, there's just a couple of minutes to read. It's supposed to be a skimming activity, a very quick read. In particular, students have two minutes to read for three key vocabulary words. Words that, if you don't understand what they mean, you won't understand what the article or the book is talking about. Students did a good job pulling out the keys, noticing the essential points. Uh, students asked about words like impeachment and congressional. Right? Uh, students asked about how to pronounce the name of the president of Ukraine, because, of course, the president of Ukraine is involved in this story. The second time through, students had the chance to read for topic sentences. We know we're pretty good at spotting the topic sentence in the first sentence of each paragraph, though sometimes it hides in the middle or towards the end. And that gives us a pretty good summary of the article, the big ideas or the main ideas. It also makes for a nice tie-in as students are writing their own five-paragraph essay. It's easy to say, now, this paragraph needs a topic sentence that relates directly to your claim and is supported by the evidence in the paragraph. Using those writing and reading terms in multiple classes across disciplines really helps students use them more frequently, use them in different places, and become fluent as readers and writers. And the third time through the article, of course, students had the chance to read silently, to read every word and carefully consider. And there were a lot of questions afterwards, which is a good sign to me. It tells me that tomorrow's philosophy circle will be lively, will be interesting, will be filled with students who want to know more and want to say something meaningful about the topic at hand. It's important to make mention of the fact that as a teacher, I am not allowed by contract with the School District of La Crosse to share my own personal political views or feelings on a candidate, on an issue, on an election. And so at the same time, it is essential for our sixth and seventh and eighth graders to think about, to look out into the world and understand some of the current event issues that are going on. Our students are becoming more and more interested in the world around them and more and more interested in being able to say something intelligent about 
those goings on. And so we need that opportunity in reading and writing and social studies and science to notice what's happening right now in the world, to learn the facts and try our best to digest, to understand the opinions that are being expressed so that we can speak intelligently on those current events. I'm excited to hear what students have to say tomorrow. I know they're ready to bring a lot. As a final note to the reading class piece, I do want to share with all of you what we discussed today in terms of etymology. Uh, that is the history of words. When we look up the meaning of a word, we can learn a lot about it. Um, but it does not necessarily tell us as much as we would like. And I find that introducing students to the history of the meaning of a word can often tell a more involved and a more interesting story. So the word impeachment doesn't have anything to do with fruit, though we did get that question several times in class today. The word within the word, right? So the word impeachment has a word hiding inside of it. It sounds a lot like impede, right? Impeachment, impede. And it is related to impediment, right? Something that you would trip over with your feet. Or impede, which is to hold back, to prevent. Uh, the im, the I-M part of the word, really goes back to its Latin roots meaning not, right? Or to prevent, right? And ped in Latin, pedes are feet, right? So at its root, impeachment has to do with restraining someone's feet, which is kind of a funny way to think about it. We don't usually think about our president being chained to his desk, but that is in some ways a little bit what the impeachment process might look like, feel like, sound like, right? Impeachment in its word history really comes from impediment, from chaining or restraining or impeding the feet. And we have that then in the modern sense of the word to impede someone in power, to prevent them from acting. Um, and in the case of our current event, potentially to remove them from office, to remove them from that position of power. That's all I have for today. It's time to wrap things up. It looks like the sun might be shining for just a little while this evening, and the leaves are starting to turn color. I hope you're out enjoying this wonderful autumn afternoon and evening. Be sure to ask lots of questions. Get a good night's rest, and we'll see you tomorrow. Many of you know that I am a father, and so I tell dad jokes. And I am also a math teacher, and so I have some really bad math puns. And I'm a science teacher, and there's a whole book of science jokes that I refer to on a regular basis. But perhaps you haven't yet experienced the fact that I also teach reading and writing. And there is a whole branch of humor there yet to be explored. For example, 
Did you know that the past, the present, and the future went out for a walk one day? It was tense.